Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Warlord Games official podcast. My name is Brad, and I'm the host. And joining me this evening is a man who has been very busy of late because he is the author of Warlord's newest, hottest game. A man who absolutely loves naval historical battles and has been... A, has been part of a lot of really exciting projects that we are going to talk a little bit about to start with before we get into the Napoleonic waters of Black Seas. Now, of course, before we do that, we need to talk to the author himself. Gabrio, welcome to the Warlord Games official podcast. How are you today? Uh, thank you very much. I'm very well. Oh, now, of course, I mentioned that you're you are a lover of uh, naval games. Now, you have been a part of uh, quite a few games in the past um, in helping develop them and playtest them. Is that right? But this is your first truly solo effort. That is correct. Yes. Nice. So, uh, um, yeah. I've been, where did you start? I've been, uh, so, yes, my first uh, venture into the the world of naval wargaming was together with Mark Latham back mm -hmm. in my days when I used to work in uh, Games Workshop mm -hmm. on a project from what was then the, um, um, the uh, Warhammer Ancients mm -hmm. uh, on a book called Trafalgar. That's right. I was one of the main helpers of Mark and main um, playtesters. Mm -hmm. There's also my photo in prime space in the book, <laughs> if mm -hmm. anybody has a book going that far uh and um and yeah so i helped there quite a lot uh, i helped mark who is also a friend um still to this day um furthermore i then ventured on my own on a on a project helping with a board game called pirates of nassau mm -hmm. completely different from um naval war gaming it was more of a euro style board game where uh, I helped the main author, um, Richard Glazer. Mm -hmm. And lastly, uh, I was one of the three main uh, um, authors in Cruel Seas, the head author being John Stallard, who is uh, in charge of uh, the CEO of Warlord Games. Mm -hmm. um, but me and Richard Carlyle helped quite significantly, uh, helped him in writing the book, especially with the mechanics. Mm -hmm. Um, where he was the main, obviously, contributor and the main uh, person in charge, but uh, me first and then Richard came uh, uh, on following that, uh, came up with and helped develop a lot of the mechanics. Now, I've read in an interview that in the past when um, John first approached you about the um, World War II game that you said, yeah, that's great, but I would really love to get into uh, do a Napoleonic naval game. And it, it sounds like that uh, he's letting you do that. I did that that's right. Yeah, it was, um, it was just before I joined uh, Warlord Games, about between seven and, and nine years ago. Mm -hmm. The memory uh, at my age is kind of a little bit fuzzy. Mm -hmm. And um, where we sat down uh, at uh, the John Borley's pub which mm -hmm. is a, a an oddly napoleonic maritime themed <laughs> pub uh, not far from warlord games headquarters mm -hmm. uh, where uh, he just he just uh, we were just over a pint discussing the merits of uh, um, naval war game in both in world war 2 specifically with motor torpedo boats and mm -hmm. uh, 
which is John's passion. Oh yeah. And I, and I said, well, my, my absolute passion, and it's always been like that, is um, to uh, Napoleonic uh, Age of Sail wargaming. Hmm. Uh, all the all Age of Sail specific uh, in general, however specifically. The Napoleonic one is where I think uh, the, the main uh, action is at, and it's it, it's when sailing was at its best. Yes. Uh, um, and the art of sailing warfare was at its best. After that, you have the introduction of um, metal hulls and steam as main method of propulsion, and therefore things significantly changed the the kind of style of of um, Naval combat that was going on. That's right. So uh, the, 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 that, that really, really difficult balance of commanding hundreds of men trying to uh, sail a, a, a big square rigged ship, um, balancing that with having to, you know, shoot cannons and aim at the enemy and trying to uh, sink or, or uh, make him surrender was an art at that time mm -hmm. uh, in my opinion it's although obviously quite romanticized it's, it's <laughs> yes you're nothing, a fan nothing there's nothing wrong than with that. that yeah there is nothing better than that exactly <laughs> in my book. so that's why i've been trying to get involved into such a such period and war game in general and uh, it's it's almost a dream come true that after so many years of us having an idea both john realized his uh, his dream of bringing out a motor torpedo boat game in world war ii and now uh, very well practically is out now is the napoleonic sailing war game black seas now I'm glad that you have, and I'm also glad um, having what I've seen of the game uh, and the gameplay that I've heard of people who've enjoyed it. It it what's often intimidating with black sail games or with big sail games is um, it it turns into almost a military simulation. Like it can be really intimidating once you take into account wind and sails. And I mean, you've seen all the pirate movies, or we all have, where. You know, there's all of these complex tactics um, using, you know, the wind and the sea and getting around things. And to simulate that on the tabletop can be quite difficult. Um, but you've actually been able to distill this game down into sort of Warlord's um, philosophy of having a fun uh, a game that you can relatively easily pick up, but has depth that you keep wanting to pick it up. Um so you have a very you have a basic set of rules for people to play, but then you also have advanced rules to add some of that complexity in. Um, most notably, I've heard you talk at length about um, the influence that the wind has on the ships in this time period. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think one of uh, one of the um, my helpers. Um, uh, which have been invaluable. Uh, I've had two main help helpers in, mm -hmm. in. Well, I had many actually, but in specifically in regards to the rules, there were actually three um, people who who helped considerably. Um, one of which mentioned that um, it's more. It's like a, a toolbox. This rule book. Mm -hmm. So you have your basics uh, rules, and then you have a toolbox of 
add-ons that you can bolt on if you want to, um, adding complexity as you go along. The main one being how you treat the wind. The, the, the core rules see the wind being treated very in a very abstract and completely unrealistic way, which <laughs> right uh, specifically, if you don't mind me going a little bit into detail, please. Uh, uh, and it's a little bit hard to describe without imagery uh, alongside, but I'll, mm -hmm. I'll try and do my best. Mm -hmm. um, you have to imagine there are the big ships had three main masts with square uh, rigged, so there were a big square of square-like sheets yeah. of sails. Mm -hmm. And if the wind was directly behind the ship, blowing directly behind the ship, the wind would hit the, the rear mast sails, mm -hmm. the big square, would fill all of them up. But obviously that would take away from the two masts in front of that. Okay, yeah. So the fastest the ship could sail was not actually when the, sh the when the wind was directly behind it but it was uh, instead when the wind was behind it but to either side of it oh okay so yeah that makes sense yeah from behind but to to uh, to to the side as well mm -hmm. and therefore that would allow the wind to fill all three uh, big big masts uh, well all all sails belonging to all three of the masts at the same time and therefore propel the ship at the fastest possible speed mm. now uh, uh, so this is one of the main um abstraction of the core rules mm -hmm. instead of doing this uh, just for ease of interpretation and ease of uh, of because it's very uh, if you don't know this about the sailing sailing square uh, ship square rigged ships mm -hmm. then you instinctively thinking that if the ship comes behind me then that's when I go at the fastest right. so that's what I made it so in the main uh, in the core rules just for just for simplicity instead of trying to add a lot of needing to check and uh, and adding complexity um, furthermore, in playtesting, it became very obvious that um, sailing, what, what is called trimming the, the wind, which mm -hmm. is uh, it's sailing very close to where the wind is coming against you. Obviously, mm -hmm. a ship cannot sail directly into the wind. No, you go backwards, yeah. yeah. However, if you angled your sail in a certain way, you could sail almost against the wind by... by going at an angle towards it and then doing a maneuver called tacking, which mm -hmm. is swinging across and going the other way. So kind of zigzagging into the wind. Mm. So um, it, the angle at which you can uh, trim the wind, as in going against the wind, mm -hmm. in the core rules, in the simplified rules, is a lot more extreme than what it is physically possible. Got it. This is because in playtesting, we found that uh, by doing it the more realistic way, a lot of ships would go to the end of the movement and it would be almost impossible for them to go back if the wind was going against them. And therefore, right. you'd kind of lock them out of the out of the game. Uh, okay. So uh, by by making this angle a lot more acute, um, I've allowed a certain degree of abstraction and if you want less accuracy or less phys physically po possible mm -hmm. um, uh, scenario. However, 
it's a lot more fun because you get you can mm -hmm. actually go back into fray. Uh, it, even if the wind is 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 against you, in a, in an easier way. Uh, yeah. So it's it's it is basically a balance that I have trying to struck uh, between having something that is feels still feels as if um, is authentic because you cannot sail into the wind directly. No. So it still feels as if there is a restriction there mm -hmm. based on the wind. But it, it is abstracted and um, uh, allows you, to, in my opinion, to have more fun because you're, you're turning the ship around because what all yeah. we all want to do is exactly. just shoot the cannon as soon as possible uh, and, you know, being involved with the complexity of what the real uh, reality of sailing mm -hmm. maybe is not of for everybody's interest. However... Right. There is in the advanced rules a section, uh, a, a simple substitution of a diagram that tells you if a ship is going against the wind or not, mm -hmm. which has a much more realistic way, both in terms of the, the angle at which you can trim the wind and in terms of where the wind comes from behind uh, that determines the maximum speed you can go. Mm -hmm. So by substituting simply the diagram that you have in the core rule with the diagram that is in the advanced rules, you can add a lot of complexity and make the the game itself a lot more realistic. So nice. it's up to you really what you want to do. And this is this is the main bit that um, uh, is uh, is the main bolt on that before playing a game you'd have to decide with your opponent mm -hmm. shall we make it more or less complex um however you want to you want to do it on top of that there is a lot of uh other advanced rules mm -hmm. that can complicate but also theme quite significantly the game i think the most important ones is the special navy rules mm -hmm. so um you can play more of a what i would call a tournament style game in mm -hmm. which you can theme your ships, uh, i.e. play British uh, British against French, for example, mm -hmm. because they have flags on. However, the stats are exactly the same. Okay. So there is no difference between the French and the British ships. It's all about your mastery of the, of the seas, of the movement, of positioning your ship in the right way in order to uh, obtain the maximum damage and, and the, the, the best result. Mm -hmm. However... If you want to theme your games and make them make them more interesting in a way, you can add the the special navy rules, which also somewhat unbalance the game. I have attempted to make them as balanced as possible, mm -hmm. but in the naval Napoleonic era, it is undoubt, undoubt, without a doubt that the British had the better tactics and the better mm -hmm. training. And therefore, they were just better. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm sure, uh, I think that, um, uh, I don't know the exact minutes that it took uh, the British to uh, reload a cannon, which was really important for the rate of fire that a ship could achieve. Mm -hmm. But I think it's the region of roughly one minute, and I'm sure that more expert than me will be able to correct the mm -hmm. exact but it was more like a minute to reload for the British versus two, two and a half, 
sometimes even three minutes for the uh, the other navies. Wow, that's with the exception of the, it's a big difference. Yeah, so you can you can imagine that um, if if in a in a battle that lasts half an hour, how many more shots the British could pull mm -hmm. off uh, in respect to their opponents uh, is significant. And now, interestingly, the U.S. Navy were also very good at doing this, and they mm -hmm. also trained. So they have um, an advantage as well, with the distinction that they they cannot have bigger ships because of, during those times they only had super frigates as their biggest ships. Yeah. So they are they are good at shooting like the British, but they cannot have those really big ships. Yeah. Uh, that do make a difference in the game. Um, now, so 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 th those are the the the. the the rules that actually make it more characterful, mm -hmm. but uh, uh, but also uh, add a little bit of um, lack of balance, you could say. Mm -hmm. So again, but it's, it's it's again it's it's another bolton that you might want to add on. Exactly. So you're then, you're adding the depth that you want as the player, um, but the rules themselves allow you to pick it up and play quite easily. Um, especially when you're learning the game, it's it's not one of those games that are it's an intimidating pickup. No, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then just to finish off on the advanced rule, there's mm. a lot more. There's a lot more um, rules to some some quite small in terms of the amount of change they're doing. Some uh, significant um, that uh, add levels of complexity there are several in the advanced rules and and as 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 um as i previously said the ter the term toolbox i think is 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 a, is a good descriptor mm -hmm. but you can just pick and choose which ones you want uh, and you like to 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 use and apply them um it, these include um you know firing out of sequence so with the rule fire as she bears mm -hmm. for both the attacker and the defender, uh, terrain and weather, um, sailing in lines, which was one of the main tactics of the time, and I wanted to represent it in a rule mm -hmm. that would be uh, to some advantage if you if you do sail in lines. So it's 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 um, yeah, I, I believe that you can have great fun just playing the main game, but adding what you want to the main game to mm -hmm. make it a little bit more. Um, exciting uh, and a little bit more complex mm -hmm. uh, is, is a is a key it's a feature of the entire system fantastic yeah oh I, I yeah you've actually answered a lot of my questions about how the whole system works just by the way that you've talked through it now um this does share some of the mechanics of cruel seas but uh, it definitely goes its own way um in that like Cruel Seas, there are wake templates that happen behind the ships, um, and um, the way that ships maneuver is uh, fairly similar. Is that correct? That is correct. The wakes um, and, uh, and several other aspects of the game are are almost a, a campaign of mine mm -hmm. of trying to get gaming pieces to not only be there as a representation of... Um, a rule that you have to apply, mm -hmm. but also that add to the look, overall look of the of the battletop of the mm. of you know of the landscape or seascape if you want mm. uh, 
that is that is in front of you. So the wakes are a very good example of this. You could use several other systems to determine if a ship is going at the full speed or uh, you could just put a token behind it or a dice mm -hmm. or a, a, there's a million and one way to, to, to do it. However, none are, in my opinion, as pretty as having a wake behind it. Agreed. That, yeah. that marks out not only the speed you're going at, but it, it, it also looks really good on the tabletop. It and does. the other thing... I've, I've, I've started doing this. Uh, the wakes were one of my introduction in Cruel Seas because of this campaign that I, <laughs> I wanted to, mm. uh, you know, bring ahead. Um, the other, the other aspect is when you you've got to mark your ships because of the way that the turn order works. Mm -hmm. It's in uh, wind gauge, uh, weather gauge rather. Sorry, weather gauge order. So. Um, the ships might move out of sequence, and you need a way to determine the ones that have moved from the ones that haven't moved. Right. So um, there's two markers, if you want, to um, s signify this. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you shot your cannons, you put some white wool next to the broadside mm -hmm. or next to the gun you used, which looks really good in, 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 you know, if you look at it from afar, it just... It looks great. Some yes. smoke can billow it out of the cannon. It, it, it's really evocative. Mm -hmm. and, but it also has a, it, it's a mark in the ship, which means if it has some smoke, it means you've, you've, you've used it. So mm -hmm. until use it till the next turn. And if you haven't shot, there are some markers in the starter set, which are little um, cardboard punch out uh, round tokens, which represent seagulls, uh, whales diving mm -hmm. into the water. So you put them next to the ship and they look cool. They look, they add to the overall look of the game, but also they are part of the rules and inter integral part of the rules. So, yeah. um, and these are just a couple of examples of how I'm trying to make the mechanics uh, or ways for you to mark and remember elements of the rules instead of just them being cluttering the table, it, it, they actually add to the overall look of the table. Yeah, you're not you're not kicked out of the aesthetic. There are some game systems which are super token heavy that you'll just look at a tabletop and it's just a mountain of uh, tokens and uh, dice and other things on the tabletop to mark which is doing what. But in this case, you look at the board and it looks like an ocean filled with ships. Um, and not, I think another really cool aesthetic that um, I think you were a part of as well in making that sort of the aesthetic of the game looks so good is um, this is the first game that Warlords entirely um, sculpted all the models for digitally. Everything's been done digitally. But I believe that you were integral in having one little detail added um, and that every ship comes with a, a little tiny bit of thin string for rigging. Is that right? <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Um, yeah, uh, my main job in Warlord Games, because designing games, unfortunately, is not my main job. I'd love it to be, but it mm. isn't. My main job is um, procurement manager of Warlord Games. So mm -hmm. uh, in a way, I was lucky because I was also tasked with by myself to source um, some kind of uh, very specific thread that you need. It's a 100% viscose rayon thread you need for to rig the ships. Mm -hmm. uh, and I actually managed to, to find it 
um, at a price that meant that we could uh, add it to every single box that we have in um, a very useful bobbin format. It's one of a little bobbin, the ones, it's, it's the same one that you usually put inside sewing machines, the mm -hmm. little one, the plastic ones. Um, and uh, which means that there is very little excuse for people to have a go at rigging their ships. Yeah. I know a lot of people are intimidated by this. Mm -hmm. However, uh, I, I think it adds enormously to the look of the ships and it is a bit fiddly. I have to, you know, be completely honest, but it's by far not impossible. And even, um, you know, having a go and if it's not perfect, it still makes the ships look a hundred times better. Yeah, agreed. And you just will have this special ray on, which uh, usually hasn't got a huge cost, but it's difficult to source. You, It's not readily available. They mm -hmm. don't, it's not part of your standard sewing kit because it's not cotton. It's a very special um, uh, grade of, uh, of uh, bread. Mm -hmm. and, and this is because, by the way, just just a little bit of a tangent, because the cotton frays quite a lot. It has microscopic little bits of um, cotton coming out of the actual thread, which A, make it look very untidy, and B, after a couple of weeks of it standing there without doing anything, it will gather an enormous amount of dust. Oh, really? The <laughs> yeah, they will, yeah. Whilst the viscose rayon does not. It's very sleek and 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 um, it, it's a lot harder for the dust to gather on the micro mm -hmm. little um, phrase of thread that the cotton has. So that's why it's it is the way that, that it's that special thread. Having um, seen so the yes, ships, is... having seen the ships without the rigging, and having seen the ships with the rigging, you are absolutely right. It makes. A, a a huge difference and it's not one that you'd immediately think oh the rigging's missing you just think it's too small that it, it for that scale because it is one 700 scale that it would be missing but you're absolutely right once you see it on those ships um you you kind of expect it and you want it right yes absolutely um the, so so the rigging as you said is uh, what well, i insisted it uh, being there and i managed to source it and i'm really happy that uh, we found a, 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 a source for it. Um, however, if I might, if I just may just go on a little bit on the ships themselves. Mm, yes. Because uh, I was the one who briefed and approved all of the ships. Um, they, uh, the, the philosophy behind the way that the ships were designed was to make the age of sale wargaming appeal to the absolutely the wider amount of public possible mm. for a completely personal reason of I wanted more people to play against because before <laughs> now it was very, very um, inaccessible, if you want. The yes. rules were really complicated and really... You need, you know, if you didn't know how to sail, you 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 had a very little chance of managing to do anything. Mm -hmm. uh, the games took very long to play, and the ships, although beautiful, the ones that were on the market, um, they are incredibly fiddly and difficult to 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 build. So, the philosophy behind the design was to, without compromising on the looks, and I don't think we have. Mm -hmm. 
it's to make it as accessible as possible. This is why I absolutely insisted in having the sales in uh, laminated card mm-hmm. um, and printed. Not because of cost, because it's got nothing to do with it. It's more because of the look. One of the more difficult thing to paint on a ship is sails. And the alternatives that were on before were either chip thick, chunky metal sails, which mm. don't look like sails. No. They have to be really thick. Or brass edged. When the brass edged, they look all right. However, both these solutions have got the disadvantage of having to be painted. Yeah. And I don't consider myself a bad painter. I have struggled to make them look really good. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, it just took instead uh, to print them out. Mm-hmm. Um, and and actually, sorry, before that, Peter Dennis, who is also the main artist for the front cover of the rule book and the, and the starter set, mm. Peter Dennis, um, who is a brilliant artist, yes. he actually painted the sails. He painted a couple of versions of the sails, and that's what is actually that we got to print. So uh, you have a, a, a beautifully, a beautiful interpretation of the sail, which are already punched out. So you just literally cut them out, bend them so that they look as if they're billowing, stick them on with super glue, and they immediately make the ship look amazing. Yeah, because uh, the sails were a huge part. Of the visual of a of a ship, they are they are big. They are big compared to the hull, and it's what one of the main thing you see. And the second thing was the rat lines, which are the the kind of triangularly shaped uh, ladders mm-hmm. that go up the masts. They um, usually you can find them in again in brass edged. Mm-hmm. Uh, brass edged is a uh, very expensive. They look amazing in brass edged. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, but they're very expensive and extremely fiddly. And as soon as you put them in the tabletop, they immediately, if by handling them a bit too much or in the wrong way, they will bend. And once they bend, they they lose the paint Yes. more often than not. Mm-hmm. And it's almost possible for them to get back to being completely straight and uh, um, and looking good. So the uh, our alternative was to print them on acetate. Mm-hmm. You've got to cut them out yourself, but that's quite easy to do. Mm-hmm. And then you just stick them on. And uh, you cannot see that they're acetate apart from if you pick up the ship, look at it b- to within 10 centimeters of your eyes mm-hmm. and kind of uh, turn it around to make the, the sheen come out from. Because otherwise, if they're on the tabletop, yeah, you can't see it. A foot, or more um, distance, you will not see any different whatsoever. Yeah, they look uh, sensational. The bell, I think <laughs> the, the the building is not going to burn down, so don't worry. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, <laughs> is everything all right? Um, I yeah, I am absolutely. looking. I I'm and I I appreciate in particular if you have listened to this show, you do know that I am the token American working for Warlord Games uh, in Australia, no less. But um, I am from uh, Massachusetts, right near Lexington Green, um, 
where the shot that was heard around the world, apparently, which was set off the uh, American Revolution. Uh, and so for me, uh, that whole uh, time period is very uh, important. And I can't help but notice, though the the box game for Black Sails has the English and the French, I can't help but notice, but one of the first ships that is being sold is my personal favorite and the ship that I have visited more times than any other on the planet, and that is the USS Constitution. Um, and I am I am just eyeing it up, and the rigging and the sails, it looks just fantastic. And I absolutely love that at 100, uh, 1700 scale, you can actually read the name on the back of the ship. It is, it is just such a nice detail, uh, nice um, scale for detail, uh, that just, just makes this game look sensational on the tabletop. Yeah, I completely agree. It's, it's, um, um, I, I am, I'm, I'm originally, I'm Italian, I have to say, mm-hmm. and I love Italy with a passion. However, I've grown to, uh, love the UK. I, I, I really, I really like it here. Uh, I've been living here for 22 years. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, I have a secret passion for uh, America and the US that. in general. <laughs> I, I, I do. I have um, my bolt action army mm-hmm. is Americans. Um, when I was playing uh, and playtesting uh, the Trafalgar book with uh, Mark Latham, mm-hmm. I, I had a, quite a significantly big American fleet. So, nice. so I, I really wanted the Americans to, to have, um, you know, a, a role within the system mm-hmm. and, although, and the constitution is out, uh, in October. So now, mm-hmm. um, however, there will be a lot more of the, so both super frigates and normal frigates coming out in the, in the box set for nice. the for the US fleet mm-hmm. just before Christmas. So Fantastic. you will see the USS President and the USS um, United States, mm-hmm. which were two more of the super frigates, the, the 44 plus guns, mm-hmm. like the USS Constitution. They will be featured in the in the fleet box. And there will also be uh, the backs for several of the other frigates uh, of the of the U.S. Brilliant. Um, and in, later on in 2020, we will also produce a spe- specific model for the USS Essex. So, yeah, absolutely. Although, although at that time the Navy of the U.S. was quite fledgling, uh, it was just starting off, and uh, they they didn't have any third rate at the time or they were i think they had one or two in in design that they were thinking of bringing out mm-hmm. uh, in a way it it took uh the advent of steam and and metal holes to kind of halt the 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 more the sailing part of their uh fleet mm. investment and and their, therefore the investment changed into more modern type of ships which uh, which is just just the way it is, and it mm-hmm. was its progress. Um, but still, uh, they the they feature quite heavily. And although 
they don't have those bigger ships, the, the big first rate, 100 plus guns and mm-hmm. the third rate. Uh, they still have um, a, a really important place within the system, with with opportunity of uh, doing uh, lake battles. There is one of the special characters, for example, mm-hmm. uh, in uh, the rules. His special rules is only applicable when playing on, or when you agree that you're playing on uh, a U.S. lake. Oliver Hazard. Perry, mm-hmm. um, who was um, nicknamed the hero of Lake Erie uh, because he led a very decisive victory against the against the Royal Navy on Lake Erie. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 really in inviting the players to just explore different kind of scenarios and different kind of uh, settings. Mm-hmm. Even if uh, they're not the traditional, you know, oceanic kind of settings. Oh, that's fantastic! Uh, furthermore, although they did not really have third rates, they did have designs uh, in play, and they might have some third rate going that was started to be built. This is uh, don't quote me on this because mm-hmm. this is where my, my knowledge goes a little bit fuzzy. Mm-hmm. Um, however, in the box of plastic third rates, we have also introduced the flags for uh, the US mm-hmm. so that if you want to play what-if scenarios as in, well, what if the US did have a third rate in time ready, then you can do that if you want. So nice. it's absolutely, absolutely uh, available. Well, the US are sort of the fourth nation included, and I did jump on that. <laughs> I did sort of jump the gun. Sorry about that. Um, but there are three other sort of main nations that um, the, the game sort of encompasses. Clearly, um, I did mention the United States, uh, sorry, uh, Britain and France, but we also have Spain. Um, now, those are the three sort of major, um, I don't want to say races, but um, the three major... Um, Faction. Factions, yes. Faction or nations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, they, they were, the, those three are were the, na- the nations that had the biggest fleets right. of the time. Um, so they all had to feature. The fourth, interestingly, the fourth biggest navy of the time was actually the Russian Navy, uh, which is not featured in the book, not Mm -hmm. for any specific reason. It's uh, they did have some role, some they 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 participated here and there, helped out. They had several, uh, you know, small battles. However, they did not participate with big fleet engagements during the Napoleonic times. Got it. of of any significant obviously there there were some but not of any significance so that's why they were left out not to say that they might not feature in a future yes uh you know pdf mm-hmm. um for special rules for them uh, they they had different navies which were more targeted to for different kind of um of, of battles with uh, ships that had slightly lower mass uh, to to cater for the much more intense winds of the Baltic mm-hmm. uh, and the kind of the the coastal uh, type of warfare, naval warfare that they were involved with. Um, th- as I said, not to say that they weren't involved in any battles because they were. Right. Uh, they they absolutely were. There is a brief mention in the book about 
you know, several of the battles they participated. So if you want to um, theme your ships uh, uh, more towards, uh, you know, the, the Russians, you can. Nice. Uh, you'll have to switch your own flags, unfortunately. However, mm -hmm. the ships were mostly, they looked at that scale quite similar. Mm -hmm. So you can definitely use the ones. Fantastic. Um, Further, furthermore, the other the other main uh, fleets, but then you're you're going into quite small fleets by the time. Although people think of them as as big fleets, the the, the by the Napoleonic times they weren't really. The Dutch and the Portuguese, mm -hmm. they both were involved, but uh, in a supporting kind of role. Mm -hmm. They went and participated in in naval actions um, with some of their ships, but uh, by that time their navies were not were not as big uh, than the century before that, mm -hmm. where the Dutch, for example, had a huge fleet and they defeated the British on several occasions in the Anglo-Dutch wars, of which there were several. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's why they also are, there's a small snippet in the book regarding Portuguese and uh, Dutch, but they're not, they don't feature heavily within the rules. A very interesting detail on the ships, specifically mm -hmm. the plastic ones, mm. is the way that I've designed the 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 sterns, as in the black the back plate that is attached to the ships mm -hmm. and the figurehead. I've insisted for these to be separate on the frame, so that uh, two for two reasons. First of all, you there are three different backs on the ships and and three different stern uh, figureheads, mm -hmm. so that you can interchange them to make the ships look slightly different and therefore cool. uh, theme your 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 uh, mm -hmm. fleet accordingly and and have variety within mm -hmm. within your fleet um, but on top of this this has allowed me to for the fleet boxes to add on metal back sterns and uh, figureheads oh. with, with specific to a ship Therefore, they have the name printed on them, whilst the generic ones haven't. Mm -hmm. They have no names; they're generic. Mm -hmm. The the so they have names printed on them, and they have the figurehead that they had at the time, to the best of our knowledge, because some of some of the references are quite obscure. Mm -hmm. So there there has been an element of interpretation, mm -hmm. if you want. Uh, it's uh, it's it's not quite. They they didn't really keep records of. What figurehead did the Bucentaur have? Right. So there, there is a little bit of uh, artistic license, if you want. Uh, but it allows you to, instead of putting the generic sterns and the generic figureheads, it allows you to have a named ship specifically uh, for your fleet. Oh, and this is yeah, these the look gorgeous. Yeah, I'm, they I'm, do. Yeah. Uh, mm. So, so. Um, for example, the the an example I've got here in front of me is one of the the French ship is the Redoutable mm -hmm. pronunciation. I apologize for it, <laughs> uh, and uh, it has a very specific stern, as in the cabin at the back, how it how it looked, mm -hmm. with the name printed on, and it has a very specific figurehead, which is like a, a globe of the world held up by two little like people mm -hmm. holding it on their backs. So um, with these small details, you can actually theme uh, your fleet significantly 
and make it look unique. That is fantastic. Uh, so the French box, for example, comes with six unique ships worth of uh, fronts and backs, which is which. Correct. Yeah. Mm. Three frigates and and three third rates. Mm-hmm. That instead of using the plastic backs and fronts, you substitute with the metal ones, which have all names printed at the back. So there's six named ships within the fleet's boxes, and this is throughout. So this is for. French, British, and and Spanish, mm-hmm. and the the US have two. As I said before, they have two uh, super frigates and three frigates, which will be named. That is fantastic. Ah, yes, I'm also looking at the six variations on the um, the British fleet. And if you want to look at these guys, I highly recommend it. The detail is astonishing. Uh, if you go to the Warlord website and go to their store, if you look at the Royal Navy fleet or the French fleet, um, and you go to the uh, pictures that go along with the uh, descriptors, you can just scroll through and see both the back plates and um, the figureheads at the front, and they are absolutely astonishing. The just the the pictures that Warlord has taken to add to these. Um, you can zoom in on these tiny little figureheads with astonishing detail. Uh, and it just, it looks like a hobbyist dream that you're able to, you know, uh, paint these tiny little figureheads on the front of these, you know, 1-700 ships. It's just amazing. Fantastic, mate. Yeah, the, the, the it is. And, uh, I, and I, I couldn't quite remember, but I think I remember now, just as, an ex- as a further example, the U.S., uh, frigates, so there'll be the two super frigates, and as I mentioned before, mm-hmm. and the three frigates will be the Chesapeake, the Constellation, and the Congress. Nice. So you will have those three named ships. Specifically, the Constellation had this kind of very uh, unique back, which kind of came out uh, as a as a little bit of a bump. So mm-hmm. it's different. Figureheads, uh, they also have. They're mostly eagles, because yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, as an American, also, yes, yes. <laughs> but there's also an interpretation which uh, I uh, we were not a hundred percent sure if it was uh, historically accurate. But uh, just as a bit of variety, we've put in like an angel-shaped figurehead mm-hmm. for you to use. Nice uh, as a, as an alternative. But it's a fourth. So the the actual the 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 US will have four different figurehead. Mm-hmm. One of which is. A little bit of an artistic license, and therefore, if you if you feel a bit adventurous in your uh, interpretation of history, or not have a hundred percent accurate um, references, but it looks really cool because it is a very nice angel at the front of the uh, the shape. You can use that instead. And if you want to be sure of that, you want to be very accurate, uh, then you can you can leave that out and use one of the other three. Nice. Well, let, let's talk about the, the board game, or sorry, the, the box game itself. So um, Black Seas has a, a core set. It's called Master and Commander. And, um, of course, it has the uh, bonus-free model that a lot of Warlords games does. It's called the Sea Wolf. Uh, it is a fine gentleman with a blade strapped to his arm and a pistol pointing. Um, but, of course, he's at 156 scale. But it includes nine um, nine ships, three frigates, and six brigs. 
Um, it has an A0 size board, um, so it gives you plenty of space to, to play on. Um, and then um, all the, the, the gubbins that you need to play the game. Um, you can, of course, buy the rule book separately, like uh, you could in Cruel Seas, if you wanted to buy a, an army box in particular, or a fleet box, I should say. Uh, but if you are looking for lots of ships, uh, that is a good way to go as well. Um, now, this game is played, it can be played on a, a 3x4, a 4x4, um, which is what the first six missions in the book sort of lay out. Um, but if you want to blow out and go for some of the big um, naval battles, you can go larger. The rules accommodate for that, and so do some of the missions in the book, right? Correct, yes. The, from mission 7 to 12, really um, suggest that you use a 6x4 table rather mm -hmm. than the provided uh, C-mat, which mm -hmm. is actually a, 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 it's like a poster. It's an A0 poster, which is roughly 3x4. Um, so it, it, it invites you to, to go beyond the starter set and uh, play on a six by four. I have to say that the 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 starter set I highly recommend as a purchase as a first purchase the the Mass and Commander starter set because it has all the tokens in. It of has course. the wool. Mm -hmm. It has everything that you actually need to play and to make the game look exciting uh, and and visually pleasing. On top of quite a significant amount of ships to start you off. So um, yeah, I'd, I'd highly recommend the starter set to as 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 your starting point because of because of that. Say mm -hmm. I know wool is easy to come by. However, there is the fiery wool that is a mix that we have mm -hmm. uh, a, a wool wool company <laughs> a company that makes wool and blends different colors, and that's made uh, bespoke for us. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not really easy to find. No. I know you can find cotton wool quite easily. The black maybe not as easily, but still you can find it. The furry one is not that easy to find, and that's in the starter set. And that's also part of the game to mark that your ship is on fire. Which, by the way, it is 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 great fun when ships catch fire. Yes. It's just it's always a hoot. Uh, the to mark them instead of having a token you just put a fiery wool on top of the ship and it looks amazing because it just it looks as if it's on fire it and uh it's, and all of this is part of the starter set box so uh, that's why i highly recommend going in there it also gives you a lot of ships that maybe um you know if you want bigger fleet action if you want to go for third rates and first rates mm -hmm. you might not want however it uh, provides you a lot of uh, ships to to t try the rigging, to try the the, the, the painting, and mm -hmm. uh, and then even if they're not great, they will add to your fleet and making your fleet, you know, of significance important and mm -hmm. being able to play bigger games. Uh, one other element that one other point that I wanted to make. Mm. Uh, was that there will be ongoing support for this game. I nice. have already written five new scenarios, which are completely different and new from the ones that are in the book. Very um, nice. Some of which are small scale, some of which are uh, a larger scale, mm -hmm. and, and quite fun, I have to say. It's mm. been fun testing them. They, 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 which will be 
put in the next in the upcoming month uh, as a free PDF to download from uh, the website. Nice. Uh, or if you join our uh, Facebook page, they will mm-hmm. probably be put as a link there as well. Um, so I also encourage anybody to join our Facebook Facebook, Facebook page. They can uh, ask me directly any kind of question, or if they've got if there's any doubts, or if there's there's a ton of of information there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the community is really great. They they are you know, self-helping, uh, coming up with ideas, coming, showing pictures, working progresses. And uh, it, it is really proving to be kind of a vibrant place to go and for all your naval wargaming needs, if you want. <laughs> well, yeah, or, or, it, it can be a little intimidating sometimes to jump to a new scale. So having that community that you're able to interact with, especially in the digital world, is just so invaluable to ask someone if you if you get stuck with something that you know might be a relatively minor issue but you know if you're stuck in that it doesn't feel like a minor issue sometimes does it so um just having being able to turn to someone and say am i doing this right um and just to see all of those wonderful work in progress uh photos and you know people's work is just fantastic as well um there's nothing like a good uh, warlord community to uh, support a game. Uh, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Gabriel. Um, I, I have to say, I, this, though I, am, uh, I do not necessarily share the passion for the sales, uh, talking to you today has me eyeing up that box game something seriously. So I'm going to have to uh, take a look at uh, ordering one of those in uh, the coming weeks, I think, because uh, this just looks, I mean, it, I mean, Warlord does have a a uh, a wonderful track record of putting out games that are easy to pick up, that are lots of fun to play on the tabletop. As I say, that have the depth to keep replaying. Uh, but and man, I love Warlord's miniatures, but this game in particular looks fantastic on the tabletop. I think you've really uh, outdone yourself to make it visually pop. Uh, so my hat's off to you, and uh, I look forward to trying this soon. Brilliant. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for coming on. Um, And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Uh, If you have listened to this and you have questions uh, for Gabrielle, you can contact the podcast directly or you can contact Warlord. Um, If you have feedback about the podcast itself, things you'd like to see, um, questions you might have, or if you just have uh, some things that you wouldn't like to see. Occasionally, uh, we do get feedback that we like to act upon and how we can make the show better. Um, you can find me through the Facebook page for my other podcast, which is called Cast Dice, C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E. If you go to that Facebook page, it is my hobby progress blog. Um, if you message it, my name is Brad. I am the only one that answers it. Um, and I do have to thank the many people who listen to the Warlord cast that have messaged um, with you know great feedback and suggestions for the show. We do take those on board. We do uh, use them. Um, so please contact us. Let us know how we can do better. Uh, and as I've said before, uh, look, podcasts don't cost money for you to download, uh, but time they do take time to listen to and i would like to say for some you know some of us time is money and 
Um, or is more precious than money these days. So uh, thank you for taking the time to listen to us today. Uh, we at Warlord do appreciate um, you taking the time to check out our products and uh, to listen to our wonderful guests. So thank you very much. Uh, until the next episode, uh, I'm signing off. Thank you very much for listening. Good night. Thank you.